I'm reading from Luke 10, 38 through 42. Uh, and this is at the home of Martha and Mary. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. As well, I'll read from Luke 24, 13 through 20. And this is on the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And then I'm going to skip to 25 through 33. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures with us? I got it. Thanks. Thanks, Terry. It's always a little nervous when a duck introduces you. <laughs> we got through it. Good friend of mine, Terry, that's for sure. You know, I think I heard somebody say from here that uh, God is a God of surprises. And, I'm, and I think that when I heard that, I go, wow, that's really true in my life. And I'm going to guess it's probably true in a lot of your lives. Just a quick uh, story on how I got where I'm at. Like Terry said, I was the principal here at Bend High for many years, and um, at the same time, I was working with Oregon State, working in their chaplain on their football team, and there came a point where uh, Coach Riley said, you know, would you like to do this more? And I, th I said, I think that would be great. And so through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, um, I became their chaplain. And then Coach Riley decides he's going to leave and go to Lincoln. And we just weren't quite ready to move to Lincoln. And um, 
At about that same time, a, a friend of mine who was a superintendent of schools in Oregon called and said, would, would you be interested in going to Madras? And I said, no. <laughs> and so then I remember walking into the living room, and I told Patty that Rob had called and what he'd called for, and, and she goes, wow, that sounds like someplace Jesus would go. Really? <laughs> so I said, all right, I'll pray about it. And I said, okay, I'm, I'd love to do this with a friend. And so I called my good friend, Mark Neffendorf, who was the principal here at Bend High before I was, and he was the principal at Tigard, and he had just retired. And I said, hey, why don't we go do this madras together? He goes, I don't think so. I said, hey, at least pray about it. So he did, and he called me back, and he said, let's go. So here we are, and I am the one who is blessed far beyond whatever I expected. There's no question there are a lot of, it's a different culture with lots of challenges. But they're beautiful kids and unbelievable staff, and I am truly blessed and on a, and on a huge learning curve there. So that's where I'm at. So let's jump into the book of Acts a little bit this morning as we continue on. The book of Acts, of course, was written by Luke, the same one who wrote the gospel of. I think if you, in fact, I know if you read the gospel of Luke and then just keep going with the book of Acts, it's almost seamless. Maybe a quick pause in there, but it just keeps going. And today we read, Terry read two stories for us out of Luke, and the second one, the last chapter of Luke, after the resurrection, and it's almost like the, the beginning of Acts. That's like the beginning of Acts, right there, the last chapter of Luke. So that's where we're going to kind of park a little bit here this morning. I, I think that, at least in part, what Luke is trying to tell us through the gospel of and the book of Acts, is let's keep this movement going. Let's keep this Jesus movement going. And that the story of Jesus and the story of God's redemption did not end when Jesus left. In fact, it was just warming up. That we continue this movement of Jesus. And Luke is encouraging us that we got to get in the game. That this faith lived out, this journey, is not to be on the sidelines. It's not to be on the bench. It's not to be a fan or a spectator. We're to be in this game, this faith journey. And so my prayer for you today, and challenge for me as well, is that we would take action from this book of Luke and Acts, that we would take what we're getting today from this incredible worship time and then listening to his word and that we would be active participants in this movement and that we would take today and take it into our workplace tomorrow and at home and everywhere we go. That's my prayer and that's the challenge I think Luke is giving us. 
Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for this morning, and thank you for the book of Acts and for the book of Luke. And Father, I pray that today we would begin to get just a glimpse of what it means to live with you constantly. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I think for people being from Bend, us Bendites, we're pretty good at multitasking. You know, we live in a place that, God, we can do just about anything. I mean, we can golf or ski or bike or hike or, or uh, fish or hunt. I mean, we can do anything. And then somewhere in there, we try to fit in work. We are multitaskers here in Bend. In fact, I'm going to venture to say many of you were multitaskers just coming here today as you were driving. You're driving, paying attention to the road and the lights and the pedestrians and other cars. At the same time, you may be talking with someone next to you in the car or flipping on the radio or probably drinking coffee and then the phone rings or you call somebody and you're talking on the phone while you're driving, except you don't do that because you're in church. You probably do it somewhere else, but, but you're multitasking. That's what we do. We're multitaskers. I was thinking about that a little bit um, just on the way over here, and long before cell phones and coffee shops that you'd stop by and get coffee on the road, when I was in college, one of my roommates had an old pickup. I mean, it was old. It was in 1949, and we shared it when it worked. And now I don't know how many remember this, but it was a double clutch. Raise your hand if you remember double clutch. Anybody remember? Oh, good. All right. We don't even drive clutch. My girls don't even know how to drive a clutch anymore. This was a double clutch. Remember that? One to get into gear, one to get out of gear. So you're driving and you are multitasking. Now, this thing was 1949, and so it didn't have power steering. And if you were going to take a turn, you, the blinker, you had to kind of move the blinker at the same time. I mean, just, you just you had to move it. So if you're going to turn, move the blinker, and the steering wheel, and double clutch. Now, if it was raining, and you had to take a turn, the windshield wipers you had to move too. So you're moving the windshield wipers, steering the wheel, and double clutch. We, we were multitaskers before it was even popular. Well, we read today of a multitasker in the New Testament. Her name was Martha. Martha was the oldest sister of Mary and Lazarus, the one that Jesus raised from the dead. And we do know this, that Jesus was very fond of this family. We read that in John 11, verse 5. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And Terry just read the story. There's a bit of a conflict here. Jesus admonishes the multitasker. Let's read that story one more time. And what I want you to do is as I read it, I want you to think, what is it that Jesus is trying to tell Martha here? Because you're going to share it in just a second with somebody sitting next to you. Now, that's the educator in me. Okay? All right? I know we got some teachers out there. We call it what? Active participation. Okay? Listen carefully. Okay? What is Jesus telling Martha? While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who was also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he had to say. Martha was distracted. 
And she came up and asked, Lord, I love this. She's telling the Lord what to do. Jesus, don't you care that my sisters have let me to serve you? Tell Mary to give me a hand. Jesus answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it cannot be taken away. Question. What is Jesus trying to tell Martha? I'm going to give you 16 seconds to share what you think the person sitting right next to you. Go. Okay, I think you got it. Here's Martha. Martha's scurrying around the kitchen while Mary, little sister, is at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, focusing on Jesus, interacting with Jesus. And then Jesus notices that Martha senses a little bit of unbalance here. And so Jesus responds to Martha and says this silent phrase, Martha, only one thing matters. Only one thing really matters, Martha. Spending time with me, knowing me, it's the only thing that matters. He says it really throughout the gospel, right? I mean, Matthew 12, when he was challenged on what's the most important commandment, what's he say? Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The most important thing, Jesus says, is the, the most important commandment, the most important thing is to have a relationship with me. Know me. Martha, the most important thing is to know me. Spend time with me. Do you notice how Jesus got Martha's attention there? He had to say her name twice. Martha. Martha! Doesn't Jesus do that to us sometimes? We're so preoccupied, so focused on what we think is important, we kind of blind out the presence of God. H. H! Terry. Terry! You know, he... he Get in line here. Listen to me. Martha, why do I say your name twice? Because this is really important. Don't miss it. I can be so consumed by the demands that push me into the urgent that I find myself fatigued, too fatigued, even to water my soul. And the only way to outlast the demands and the only way to outlast the circumstances that crowd into my life, really the only way I know is to spend time with Jesus. This morning, maybe you find yourself thirsty. Maybe your mouth is dry. Maybe you feel unbalanced. Maybe you feel wound up inside and anxious and frustrated. Mary chose the good part, sitting with Jesus, listening to his words. She found the one necessary treasure. 
And when we do that, when we spend time with Jesus, I mean really spend time with Jesus. Not just put him into our, fit him into our schedule. Our schedule should be around him. When we do that, we enter a journey of a lifetime. I find it interesting that Martha was in the same room. Martha was in the presence of Jesus. Martha could overhear the conversation. Martha heard Mary and what Jesus was saying. That's not enough. It's not enough to be just in the presence of Jesus. Sometimes we get into the presence. Sometimes we do religious things. And those aren't bad at all. But Jesus is saying, not enough. We need to focus on him. Fix our eyes on him. Relate with him. Know him. And the only way to build a good relationship is to spend time. It's the only way I know. So what's this journey look like? What's this journey look like? Well, let's paint a picture. Um, Terry read the story out of Luke 24. So let's, let's paint this out a little bit for us. I want you to picture a windy, dusty, rocky road. You can see, as we walk on this road, we can see vineyards or grass fields, low-lying hills. And there's not a lot of people on this road. But there are two. Two disciples of Jesus. One named Cleopas, and the other one's lost in history. We don't know his name. Both followers of Jesus. And Luke tells us that they're going from Jerusalem, the capital city, to a smaller community, Emmaus. And it says it's seven miles, about what? Two-hour walk. Now, as we get a little closer, and we hear a little, a little bit more of what they're talking about, you can sense the frustration of these two guys. Listen a little closer, and you can hear them. And they're, they're reviewing, they're rehearsing everything that had happened the last few days in Jerusalem. And it makes no sense. They're confused. It just was like a whirlwind. Their leader, teacher, friend, Lord, had been handed over to the religious leaders of the day, and they saw it all. And they're trying to make sense of it. They were there, on at least one of the three trials, they were there. And, and, and how can they tell somebody they're innocent and yet condemn them to death? I don't get how they would release this Barabbas guy. This makes no sense. They were there when they saw Jesus being whipped and beaten and bloody and agonized and the shame and the death of their friend Jesus. That's what everybody's talking about. Everyone. Can you sense the discouragement in these two guys? Can you hear their uncertainty of the future? They're depressed. And then, 
along comes another guy on this road. They don't recognize him. He's younger, supporting a beard. He's an Israelite, just like they are. And he says to them, what are you guys talking about? And their response, Terry just read it, their response was pretty blunt, wasn't it? Like, who are you? What planet are you from? It's what everybody in Jerusalem is talking about. Are you a visitor? Are you not from around here? And then Jesus says, like, what events are you talking about? Let's stop here for a second. Here's a scene. Jesus knows who they are. They don't know who he is. It's kind of like that reality TV show, Undercover Boss. You got the president and the CEO guy kind of goes under the scene and kind of finds out what's really going on. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you knew who they were, but they didn't know who you were. Have you ever been there? Actually, it's kind of fun. And I'm guessing Jesus had a little bit of fun with this. This happened to me twice in this last month. One time, I'm coming back from Madras, and I'm coming back home, and I'm stopped at a stoplight over by Izzy's. You all know what I'm talking about? You know, Izzy's is closing. That bummed me out. They had tapioca pudding. There's no other place that has tapioca pudding. I just noticed that the other day. So I'm stopped at the stoplight, and I look in the rearview mirror, and lo and behold, there's a friend of mine. He doesn't recognize my car, but I know him. And I go, oh, this should be fun. So the light turns green, and I just stay right there. I'm just loving this. And I have my sunglasses on. I'm kind of scooping down. And I'm looking in the mirror. And he's like. And then pretty soon he's laying on that horn. I just roll down the window, take out my fist and shake it at him. And then I move. I mean, I am barely moving. Barely going over that intersection. He is just livid. And then I get to my cutoff to my house, and I roll down the window again, and I call him over like, let's go, buddy, you and me. And he just rips right by me. Then I call him, and he said as soon as my name came up, he knew exactly who it was. I'm not so sure that was a Jesus moment, but it was fun. I think Jesus is having a little fun here. Jesus says, like, what events are you talking about? And these men summarize all that happened to this assumingly clueless, out-of-touch visitor. And then Jesus responds. And Terry read it, Luke 24. This is what Jesus says to them after he summarizes all that's happening. Then beginning with Moses, Jesus said, well, let me start, uh, let me start with this. He said to them, how unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Jesus is saying this to these guys. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them 
the things concerning himself in all of Scripture. He, he unveils all of Scripture right there. So, if you could summarize what Jesus is saying here, I would say this. If you understand the Scriptures, you understand God. Jesus is saying, if you understand Scriptures, you understand God. Or maybe we can flip it. If you don't understand Scripture, Jesus could be standing right next to you and you don't even recognize him. So they continue on down this road, Timaeus. And we don't know all that they're talking about because Luke doesn't tell us all that they're talking about. But you know this, that when they get to the end of the road, these guys are drawn in by this conversation. We know this because they say, hey, 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 it's dark, it's evening. They urged him, come stay with us, come eat with us. They begged him, they convinced him. Hey, come with us. We want to hear more of what you have to say. And so he does. And while they were eating, it's un they recognize who Jesus is. They recognize him. Can you imagine that scene? Cleopas, look, it's Jesus. The emotion, the joy. I mean, they were so down and depressed, and now they recognize him. They recognize the Lord. Verse 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road, explaining the scripture to us? That very hour, right at that minute, they got up and headed right back to Jerusalem. It's dark. They're going back on the same road that they just came from. But it's dark. It's evening. It's dangerous. There's no, there's no lamps. There's no flashlights. They can't turn their cell phone on with the light. It's dark. It's dangerous. But do you think for a moment anything's going to stop these guys? They just saw the risen Lord. They recognized him, and they had to go tell their friends and anybody else that would listen. Let's pause for a second. Let's hit the pause button right there. Contrast for a moment the two marked differences between these two disciples and their outlook from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and then they turned right back in Emmaus, Jerusalem. From Jerusalem to Emmaus, Jesus was with them. Though they didn't recognize him, he was there nonetheless. And they were down and depressed and shuffling along that road. Then, from Emmaus back to Jerusalem, after recognizing Jesus, they were pumped, excited, full of joy, courageous, fearless, unintimidated. They couldn't wait to get back to share the news that our Lord lives. Same road. Same day. 
Same two people. New perspective. Jesus is with them in both ways, physically and or spiritually. What changed? What changed in those disciples? It wasn't the presence of Jesus, because he was with them both ways. Same road, same day, same two. New perspective. Going to Emmaus, they were discouraged. Returning, excited, full of joy. It's real. The change was not, listen to me now, the change was not in the presence of Jesus. It was the fact that they recognized Jesus. And we're no different than these two disciples. We're followers of Christ. We have trials, tough times, uncertain futures. And these guys let the events of the day clutter the presence of Jesus, and so do we. What's your road to Emmaus? Maybe the events of today are keeping you from the joy of Jesus. Maybe you're like the disciples. You're pressed. You feel tight. Confused. Anxious. We have a hard time. Our minds keep drifting sometimes. What's your road to Emmaus? Maybe this morning, some of you, it's physical. Maybe you're going through a tough time physically, mentally. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe it's financial. Maybe there's a, you're not quite sure where those finances are going to come. And that's very weighty. Maybe it's relational. Maybe your heart is torn. Maybe it's inside your family or your work. There's some relational struggles. You're anxious. Maybe you're worried. Maybe you too are uncertain about what the future looks like for you. When we don't recognize, when we don't recognize the presence of Jesus, life can be very disheartening. It was for those two. It is for us. But when we recognize the presence of Jesus, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. And that's the book of Acts. It was a game changer. The whole book changed, the whole world changed. Because they recognize a living Jesus, just like we do. No difference. Isaiah 30 says this, the Lord waits for you to come to him. He's waiting for us to show you his love and his compassion. Getting back to Jesus is recognizing that you are, right now, in the presence of the Lord Almighty. Right here, 
but not just right here. When you leave this place on Monday and you're at work and the routine starts and the grind starts and the pressures mount back at home when things just aren't as smooth as you'd want them to be, recognize the presence of Jesus there. That's taking acts into the world. year and a half ago, about, I had the principal's nightmare. In this campus, we had a school shooting. Many of you may remember. We had 100 police officers around this building. It was a snowy, cold day. In the midst of that chaos, I clearly remember standing outside saying, Jesus, I really need you right now. Walk with me. Speak for me. Calm me. I wake up every morning, still horizontal, and I whisper, I whisper, Jesus, give me wisdom today. I do not take lightly speaking to families, or kids, or staff, the things I say might dictate their future. And I ask Jesus to be with me every single day. How do I recognize that he's with me? How do I know that? I'll tell you the secret. I hear his voice through God's word, through his scripture. I hear his voice. And that's what he was telling those two men on that road. If you knew scripture, you'd know me. Jesus challenged Martha. Jesus challenged those two men on the road, and Jesus is challenging you and me. Listen to his voice. Discover his voice. Know his voice. When Lacey, my oldest, was just six months old, um, Patty, my wife, went off to do some errands, and I was in charge. She was not doing real good. She was crying, and, you know, it wasn't a good scene. And I did everything I could to calm her down. I sang to her. That made it worse. I read a book. I watched Barney. I'm not even sure they have Barney anymore, but I watched Barney. I even watched ESPN in case maybe she liked it. it nothing was working. And then she came home. And we hadn't even seen her yet. She pulls in the garage, comes to the garage. But Lacey heard her voice. And once she heard her voice, she was calm. She hadn't even seen her yet. But she recognized the voice. And that voice meant security to her. That voice meant a calmness to her. 
Are we as familiar with the voice of God? It's only through that voice that will bring us ultimate security, ultimate purpose, ultimate peace. It's only when we are as familiar with God's word, as familiar as Lacey was with her mom's voice. Jesus is calling all of us to do that one thing. Listen, discover, spend the time with him. And when we do that, we'll fear, we will feel freer. We will be more peaceful. We'll live life, live life more purposeful. Can you hear him now? Listen. Listen to what Jesus is telling you right now from Matthew. Are you tired? Worn out? Go ahead and start again. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. May we do the one necessary thing. May we walk on the road and recognize Jesus. May we keep company with the Almighty. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story of Martha and Mary and the two followers of Jesus on that road. And Lord, I pray that when we leave here today, that we would take that mission forward, that we would take the encouragement of Luke and take it into our workplace and take it into our schools and take it into our home and take it into our community and take it into our city. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. And we're the voice of you. In Jesus' name, amen.